Hope everyone is having a fantastic day. On this episode, we have Jason Ochart. Jason is the director of hitting at Driveline Baseball. In this episode, Jason kind of gives a little bit of his background, how he became the director of hitting at Driveline, um, where he was before that, kind of his philosophies on hitting, what younger kids should be focusing on. He gives some drills. Um, He actually has his own online program through Driveline that he can basically help players online um, wherever they are in the entire country, which is really cool, and he'll explain that in this episode. And he's just he's an awesome guy. He gives away a lot of great free content on social media if you guys follow him on there. And I really think that everyone will enjoy getting to know Jason a little bit better. So without further ado, here's Jason Ochart. Welcome to Patrick Jones Baseball. I am Patrick Jones, former professional baseball player and host of this podcast. My day job is a podcaster and my night job is a baseball instructor. I am currently giving hitting and pitching lessons for all ages. If interested, please email me at jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode, and let's get to work. We now have on Jason Ochart, Director of Hitting at Driveline Baseball. Jason, how's it going, man? Going pretty well, man. How are you? Not too bad. So today, uh, you said you guys had some like live abs going on there, or is that an everyday thing at Driveline? It's about uh, three days a week, I would say. The pros are uh, starting to get ready for spring training, so they're trying to compete, and and it's uh, it's an exciting time of year. So, growing up, did you know you wanted to be a coach if playing didn't work out? Yeah, yeah. I think at about high school. About my junior year, I realized that that's something I wanted to do. I mean, my high school coach had a tremendous impact on my life on and off the field, and I knew that, um, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And my initial goal was to become a high school coach and a teacher. But, um, you know, it worked out to give me where I am today, and I'm really happy about that. So did you did you play in college as well? Yeah, I played um, – I graduated from – Art University in Southern California, I played in the NAI, and uh, I played in Europe a little bit, but um, but yeah, I went right into coaching at a pretty young age. And where'd you coach at? Did you coach at, you were at Menlo College, right? <laughs> yes, sir, yeah, that was my first gig, and I coached there for three years before uh, Kyle found me on Twitter and, and then, uh, you know, flew me up for an interview. So I remember reading uh, Kyle talk about kind of how you know he interviewed you and how he was impressed by some of the like the books and statistics and stuff that you kept when you're at Menlo College um what like what was your program like there it wasn't I feel like it like you were more advanced than most of the college coaches yeah well um you know what I mean I got hired as a hitting guy you know I, I was coaching players who were better than I was and um you know I didn't have a tremendous career to 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 lean on so I I spent a lot of time reading and, and I studied sports science in college too so you know I studied a lot of um, motor learning biomechanics stuff like that so I tried to just apply that to coaching and at Menlo you know it's it's a small NEI and it's a lot of guys who um, are are there and I mean no one no one grew up dreaming to play 
at Menlo College. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So there were guys who were uh, D1 kickbacks or people who thought they were maybe left behind or, or always, you know, hungry to, to improve, people who hadn't felt like they have reached their ceiling. So it was kind of a perfect setup for someone like myself who was doing something a little different, and we had a lot of players who were open-minded and, and were ready to uh, – maybe do things that they haven't done before and, and, you know, hit the ball in the air and, and try and, you know, swing really hard and, and, and do damage stuff that they hadn't done in the past. But it was, a uh, it was a cool, it was a cool experience for me. I learned a lot. Do you ever want to get back into coaching in college someday? Um, you know, it's, it crosses my mind about this time every year, uh, you know, right when guys are starting and, uh, you know what, I think I'd be crazy to leave driveline i really like where i'm at right now i think it's uh it's an incredible opportunity to grow as a coach and to, to impact a lot of players and coaches but um but yeah i mean there are days when you know i'm watching the the live feed of, of some of our college players or, or pro guys and you know i get the itch to, to wear a uniform again but but i um you know i think i'm gonna be gonna be here for a while what in your opinion what makes driveline so different from some of the other facilities around the country? You know, it's, it's a good question. I would say, um, I mean, it's a number of things, but but the fact that it's, it's data-driven, I know that's kind of our mantra, but, but it's really in action. You know, I mean, when, when Kyle hired me, he said, you know, I like a lot of what you're doing at Menlo, and, and the program's going to be yours here, but you need to measure everything. And everything you're doing has to be supported by research. And if it's not supported, you need to do your own. And, um, I mean, quite literally everything is, is tracked. And I think that's, uh, you know, it holds us accountable as coaches for one. And, and two, it's, it's very rewarding for the players when they can see every day, you know, they can log into their account and see how they've progressed over time. And, um, you know, it validates their hard work. So I'd say the data-driven aspect of it and the fact that there's a, uh, a full research team that are always kind of working and trying to, to learn, to learn more so we can help our athletes. So basically you, you can't perform what you guys are doing like as a one-man job. Like I can't go and do my own research um, in terms of like hitting mechanics and like from an analysis standpoint like you guys are doing. Yeah, it's, it takes a, a small army, and, and it's a lot of credit to Kyle. And, I mean, he built it out of his garage, essentially, and it's, it's grown tremendously in the last few years just because um, of his ridiculous work ethic and, and his intelligence, too, and, and hiring the right people. I mean, the team here is awesome. I mean, I, I'm pretty confident I'm the dumbest guy on staff here. Um, and it's, it's a tremendous resource just to have really intelligent people surrounded um, surrounding you at all times, and and uh, you know, I think it's just the whole team makes it special. And then don't don't you have an online hitting program as well? Yeah, so we launched that fairly recently, and you know, we um, we developed our own software to where we can now work with athletes remotely and and give them you know the driveline hitting program. You know, it's something that. I've been wanting to offer for a while, but I haven't felt like it was ready. You know, I didn't think we could truly assess and, and, and program on a macro level a lot of athletes in a way that I would, I would feel um, 
qualified to have my name or the driveline name on it. But after a year or so of putting it together, it's finally in action. It's been good. It's been good so far. I mean, we've worked with guys from age 12 up to some professional clients, guys that are, you know, at the highest level. And it's been, it's been fun so far. And I look forward to continuing to build that out and, and keep getting it better. And that's, uh, you can find that on your website, right? Drive Is that drivelinebaseball.com? Yeah. And if you just Google driveline baseball remote hitting or online hitting, it, it should pop up there for you. So what what's a typical day like um, at driveline? Because I know you got you guys don't do the typical like thirty minute lesson, one you know an hour lesson type of a, a thing that a lot of facilities do. Um, what what's a typical day like for athletes there? Yeah, well, I'll speak for the hitters, and and it's really like a full day thing, and I think that's something that's unique. Most of the guys that are up here are here for two, three, four months, sometimes longer. Um, and they, they kind of get the whole package. And it's kind of cafeteria style where you pay your monthly fee and you you can spend the entire day here, and many of them do. So the average day, I would say, is the guy comes in, he does his lifting, uh, he goes to the field down the street, gets his defensive work in, does some speed work. Um, they'll usually spend a half hour to an hour doing um, corrective uh, mobility type exercises that the strength team has uh, programmed them. And then they'll do hitting in the evenings. So we do pitching from 9 to about 4, and then it switches to a hitting facility. So about that time they hit for an hour, hour and a half, and then they'll also do the position player throwing program. And then that concludes and they do recovery and, and usually guys will do um three or four of those things in one day just to try and manage their training economy of course but um but it's, it's a full-time it's a full-time gig and i think it's um something that athletes love i mean it's it's where guys can come and, and just go all out and not wonder what if because they're just doing baseball all day and they're surrounded by guys that are working their butt off as well and uh it's a really cool culture and it's somewhere where you can just come and and just commit fully to, to your craft yeah i had a couple buddies who um who've been up there and you know they kind of said you know it's it's a reasonable price i mean you get to come in you know like what is it, like six days a week or something like that and get to train and do all that stuff um i remember yeah. i was reading that kyle actually said that he loses money on the facility is that right yeah yeah we um we charge pretty small considering i mean especially compared to our competitors right that's what that, i mean um, yeah yeah, and uh, you know, I think we're able to do that because we, um, you know, we sell products that can that can help manage that. And I think that um, the athletes are more or less, you know, our guinea pigs. Like we need them to, to learn and and to, uh, to kind of just continue to grow as a coach. And, and it's one thing that really appealed to me about this job is is that I'm working with a small group of hitters every day instead of like you mentioned, a 30-minute lesson with 200 kids once a week, right? right. I think that this model is more conducive to growth, and I think, um, you know, it, it, there's no overnight fix. I think you need to put in work day in and day out to see um, incremental progress, and I think that this environment allows that. When you're coaching your hitters at driveline, um, do you – have them or want them to have a certain mindset when they uh, step in the box for like live at bats. Yeah, uh, more or less. I mean, it, it's 
so uh, it's kind of unique to each hitter, but but we talk a lot about approach and and um, it depends on the player type, I suppose. But but we definitely talk a lot about that with the hitters, especially this time of year. With the pro guys that are getting ready for uh, for spring training, we start to move away from um, mechanics and movement quality and, and move more towards mindset, mental game, approach, how you want to um, attack your at bats. You know what pitches are you looking for, stuff like that. What are there certain drills that that you like to implement um, at driveline? Yeah, we have you know a number of drills, and, and I think you know the one thing that every hitter is doing is overload and underload training. And if you're not familiar, it's it's using bats that are heavier and lighter than your traditional uh, game bat, and it's it's something that I implemented immediately when I got this job because. I uh, had success with it at the college level, and then it's supported by a lot of research. You know, it's been it's been out for a while. I mean, guys like Dan Heefner at DBU have been doing it for you know years, and and Jeff Albert, who spoke at the convention in early January, said you know he's been doing this stuff for 18 years, and uh, it was a no-brainer to me. And it also aligns with um, what they're doing on the pitching side, right? They're they're applying the same research to their pitching training. So so that's something that we use every day with all of our hitters is uh, overload and underload training. How do you know what weight, though, like for like an overload for a, uh, a particular kid? Like how much overload on his bat or underload should it be? Yeah, I mean, the, the percentage that's more or less accepted is about 20% heavier and lighter. Okay. And I think that's pretty safe for all of us, but... Um, some of our stronger guys, our stronger college guys, and, and our pro guys will, will go even more. I mean, we have a 60-ounce bat that guys will use, and and I think that, um, you know, as long as the the movement quality isn't completely falling apart, I think there's some value. And I think that's where um, a trained set of eyes is important as you're watching a guy and if he's swinging a 60-ounce bat and the bat's drop in and he's doing some some bad stuff and then you can kind of pull it away and kind of have some feel that way as a coach so is overload is, is, the percentage. is that really overload underload is that just for bat speed it is not just for bat speed and that's what a lot of people think and i, I think that's probably the it is definitely the most researched um, benefit to that type of training but it also has like proprioceptive um, benefits to it, meaning it, it allows athletes to to work on their touch or feel or barrel awareness, if you will. For instance, like when we have our pro hitters come in, when they pick up the heavy bat or, or the light bat, it takes them very little time to, to barrel the ball pretty consistently, right? They can pick it up, feel it, kind of move it around, whether it be an end-loaded bat or a handle-loaded bat or we even have like, a 40-inch, 40 40-ounce 40 bat. It takes them very little time to recalibrate, if you will, just because their motor system is is very elite at just moving things through space. And that's not so much the case with some of our uh, less skilled hitters, right? You give them the underload, they'll be way early on everything. You give them the overload, they're late. You give them the long bat, they get jammed. So you can train that hit tool, I believe, by varying the implement and, and applying the the differential learning theory to the training of our guys. 
How many swings uh, should you be taking for like overload or underload? Our guys take like 40 to 60 a day, ballpark. Okay. And then you guys, you guys also do... Go ahead. I said they're usually pretty high, high intense swings. And you, you guys also do like uh, plyo balls as well, right? Hit plyo balls. Yeah. And is that sort yeah, of? Those, but... Go ahead. Yeah, those are for um, sure. Those are for precision and, and swing plane as well. And they're mostly just a very unforgiving. Um, it's a very unforgiving drill. You know, if, if I'm front tossing you a, a heavy plyo ball and you undercut it or, or you pull off the ball or, or hit, you know, the top of it, it's just going to spin off your bat. And um, especially with younger guys, like, let's say they have some swing plane issues, if their attack angle is negative 5 or negative 10, which is something that no good hitters do. And in the past, you know, I might talk to them about it and try and fix it. Now, you know, I could just flip them 100 plyo balls within two, three days, and you'd be surprised how quickly they realize, like, that swing is not accomplishing the task, and they can reorganize and, and get on plane. So I think it's good for barrel direction, swing plane, and also just precision. You really have to square it up to hit that thing well. Are there uh, common flaws that you see among uh, youth hitters? Yeah, yeah, surely. I mean, I, I think the first one is uh, a lack of intent. You know, I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but I think a lot of young guys, um, you know, they get trained, optimized just for contact, right? If you go to a Little League game, you'll you'll hear, you know, coach telling Johnny just to put it in play or not try and do too much and stuff like that, where I think that um, as a kid, you, I mean, you got to understand that these guys aren't as coordinated as they're going to be down the road, and I think it's very harmful to, to tell a kid not to swing hard. I mean, my basic model when I talk to parents, I tell them, until your kid's 12, 12 or 13, I mean, you should just be letting them take hacks. I mean, try and hit deep fly balls, hard line drives to center field, and, and give them different bats, and, and let them have fun and be athletic and, and just let it eat, and you can tighten it up later as they get older, but a lot of the kids I work with that are 12, they they can't swing hard without falling over and it's one of those things where it's like they've never trained that, right? So, you, you know, the guy will tell me, oh, I can't, I can't swing hard and be under control. And then you ask them, well, would you ever practice that? Well, well no, right? It's like you're not going to be good at the thing you never practice. So I think it's important for young guys to kind of let them go and, and let them learn how they move and maybe back off all the mechanical cueing and just, just let, them, you know, let them have fun and swing the bat. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, getting to some of the older guys, right? Yours, we got a big, you know, fly ball um, era. It seems like should guys in like say starting in high school always try to hit the ball in the air? I think that um, it depends on your bat speed and, and your power. You know, everyone should hit the ball in the air, depending on how you define it, right? I mean. Right. The way I, the way I see it is like you either have someone that should be, you know, in the in the five to twenty five launch angle range, and you have some guys that can be like in the ten to thirty five range, and that's where um, collecting data helps. You know, where we can have college guys here that, you know, their peak velocity is like 
98, and their average velocity in a hitting session is like 84. And you can just pull up the data and say, look, man, if, if you're hitting the ball over 35, over 30, like, you're just going to be out. So you can either get stronger and, and keep building bat speed, but if you want to help your team win, like, you need to lower that a little bit, you know. Um, so I think that the pendulum has swung a little bit too far. You know, I think guys, when they think hit the ball in the air, um, you know, they just kind of dip and rip, and I think line drives always win. And if you have some pop, you know, you can live in that 25-plus, 35 range. But, but otherwise, you know, I think I think the no-ground ball revolution is, is what I would prefer it to be called. You know, I think that um, I don't care how bad you are, I, I don't think hitting the ball on the ground is, is ever a good outcome, you know, and there's data uh, to support that. Yeah, it's it's really tough. I mean, even at the facility that I was at the other day, I mean, there's still some instructors up there, like, I mean, literally telling kids to swing straight down. And it's pretty frustrating, honestly, I mean, because you know that long run, I mean, it's these some of these kids are just so young and their swings are already so messed up. It's it's tough to see. It, it's hard, man. It's, it's really common, too. And I would say the majority of coaching – I've done in my life and I do now is actually uncoaching stuff that they've learned early, you know, and it's, uh, it, it's bizarre, you know, it's bizarre to, to see that now in today's day with the access to information that coaches are still teaching that stuff at, at various levels. But, but I think, um, I think those days are, 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 uh, behind us and I think we're moving in the right direction. Do you have a favorite major league team that you follow? Well, I was born in uh, in L.A. I'm a Dodger fan. Um, yeah, I'm a Dodger fan, but but I'm more or less a a fan of baseball. So as I've gotten older, I've, I'm more root for for players. But but I do want the Dodgers to win. Uh, last year was was tough, but you know we'll see what happens this year. What what players do you like to to watch um, across Major League Baseball, or do you study certain players over others? Yeah, I mean, I, Mike Trout comes to mind naturally. I mean, I, he's just incredible. Um, I'm a huge fan of of his swing and, and what he is, and I think he's going to go down to be one of the best ever, if not be. So I obsess over him. I think he's awesome. Um, Miguel Cabrera, Joey Votto. Now we're um, talking. Yeah, I mean, you talk to any hitting coach, you're going to be probably the same guys. You know, Manny Ramirez was my favorite player growing up. Um. Yeah, I mean those are those are my core guys. I'm a big Joey Votto. I'm a, I live in Cincinnati, so you know, anytime you say Joey Votto, we get we get happy around here. That's the only thing we got to root for. Yeah, I mean he is just incredible, and he fascinates me. And I would I would pay a lot of money just to sit down and and, and chat that guy up a little bit. Well, you know it's it's funny you would say something like that because I go up to the uh, Apple Store in the the mall the local mall here and and i was up there uh trying to figure out some stuff for this podcast and told him it was a baseball podcast and the guy said you know there's some baseball player that comes in here uh, about once a week and uh he didn't he he couldn't remember his name and he asked like two or three other employees <laughs> and um and he's like uh yeah the, the guy's name i guess is joseph Votto. well and i was like dude if he ever comes back in here you better email me immediately <laughs> yeah, get in your car right away. Right, right. 
Jason, really appreciate the time, man. And uh, I know you're really busy, uh, obviously, in the heat of things right now. You know, everyone's leaving for spring training, so I really appreciate the time. You got it, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's, uh, you know, I, pre- I, I really like the show, and, and uh, you know, thanks, man. Anytime.